taken on Nito. He'll dance, he'll step, he'll shoot, and he hits it at the buzzer. No time left, and the Rockets have won the game. We are here to fuel your Rockets news. This is the Rockets Field Podcast presented by Clutch Fan. I am your host, LaShar Binkley. Of course, you can always find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops. And you can find my written work at SB Nation or The Dream Shake. Today, we have a very special guest, a uh, person I haven't talked to in a while and uh, probably since the previous podcast uh, that we uh, that I used to do a while back. So it's good to catch up with Mr. Mark Schindler. I'm joined by today. And Actually, usually I introduce the guests and tell everything they do, but Mark does so much good stuff on so many different platforms. I'm going to let Mark go ahead and introduce all the great things he's doing right now. I appreciate it, man. No, I'm psyched to, psyched to catch up to I know it's been a long time coming. I've been uh, all over the place. I'm glad we could finally catch back up. But I, uh, yeah, obviously I'm, I work for the WNBA, um, go out and do a lot of features. I was actually part of it. We were going to do this last week. I ended up having like last minute, I had to go out to, yeah. to South and go work on a feature which was cool but also yeah like out of nowhere uh i do a lot of stuff covering the draft uh diving into prospects in all shapes and sizes um primarily like i'm over i i am on the game, game theory podcast with sam and once a week yeah. um, do some work over at cerebral sports on the side um and i'm over also over at dime up rock so you can find me kind of anywhere but yeah <laughs> yes yeah definitely and i, I actually before we get started i kind of want to ask you about your WNBA coverage because I covered the G League, which, um, of course, is a part of the NBA as well and doesn't get a lot of coverage. Um, There's not a lot of people that cover the G League. And it's sort of similar with the WNBA, even though it's definitely picking up, which is a good thing. But how has Mm -hmm. has it been so far covering the WNBA, uh, being able out there um, talking to the players and and giving a lot of players a spotlight that normally don't get it? I love it, man. Uh, Honestly, like as much as I love the NBA – um, like if I was able to get a full-time opportunity working in the W, I would take it happily. Um, I, I love doing it. Um, like you mentioned, I think the biggest thing for me is it's just, it's just basketball, basketball, like yeah. anything else. I just try and cover it that way. Same as you do with, you know, covering the Vipers. Like it's, you know, that those players are out there working the exact same way that anybody is in the NBA. So I always try and approach it. And mainly, I mean, the game is just awesome. Like I, I love it. Part of what's really fun about it being a 12-team league is, A, the talent is really condensed, um, but also, like, there's so much variation in the way that people play. And, um, yeah, it's fun, man. I, I really enjoy it. I'm excited for this next season, too. This offseason is going to be uh, pretty hectic. And it's it's weird because free agency is about to start up, like, the end of this month. So I'm, I'm not at all ready for that in the middle of the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. We're getting but yeah, no, I appreciate you asking. It's it's great. I, more people need to get introduced to it. That's what I'm trying to do by working with them. So, yeah, absolutely. And us down in Houston, at least the older people, we we remember. I mean, when the WNBA was first kicking off, and of course, we were, had the comments down here. I mean, at the time, the Rockets were kind of transitioning away from the Kim Olajuwon era, and the, honestly, the comments was the, one of the biggest things going on in Houston at the time. I yeah. mean, winning the first four championships, so. It's something that I know a lot of people down here would love to have a WNBA team. I know they talked about expanding, and that would be great to have the comments back in Houston. Um, I think they would get um, good support. So, yeah, I mean, it's, good, it's, it's a great thing you're doing because, like you said, they work just as hard or sometimes harder than NBA players. So it's good to see that that support out there for sure. Um, but, of course, we are a Houston Rockets podcast, and – I wanted to kind of get an outside perspective on the Rockets because a lot of times it's myself or um, other people that, you know, talk a lot about the Rockets and we, we're kind of on the inside of it, even though we try to be objective, but it's good to have somebody on the outside. So mm-hmm. that's why I brought Mark on because um, I wanted to get his perspective on things like how the Rockets rebuild is going, how the season overall he think is going for the Rockets. So it's kind of where I want to start. Uh, with the rebuild, because we're kind of in year, I would say two. I mean, the first year with Harden was kind of a mess. It was the, it was yeah. kind of the Rockets just yeah. putting together players off the street, basically, at the end of the year. So you couldn't really get a real evaluation of Coach Silas then. But I want to get your perspective on how you think the Rockets rebuild has been 
um, going into this season? Yeah, so I think a lot earlier in the year, um, even just like a month ago, I was kind of frustrated by it to be yeah. to be. And I think uh, I, I try and take it as like a holistic approach. I think a, at least I I, uh, I interact with a lot of people on Rocket Twitter, so I feel like I I see the frustrations voice pretty <laughs> yeah. about uh, you know Stephen Silas. Um, and I get it on one hand. I also think because, like, I mean, there are things we can nitpick and pull apart about, you know, how I think he's done from what we can see on the outside. But also, it's just worth noting, like, this is there are there's there are two players on the roster who have played more than three seasons in the NBA before yeah. this year. So, like, just off rip. That's for any coach in the league. I think that's a really difficult thing to do to deal with especially considering how many rookies are in the rotation, how many second-year players are in the rotation. Um, and it doesn't really feel like even, you know, even the top players have something that is super figured out in their game yet. So it makes it really hard to build on something. Um, so not to, like, you know, give too much leeway, but I do think that there is some that needs to be given uh, just based on what that is. I think a lot of that's on, you know, it's it's not Paul si – I'm not – geez, Paul. It is not yeah, Steven's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Steven's job to come out and, you know, uh, make sure – like, he can't just be like, all right, well, let's go get a veteran movement shooter who can come in and play yeah. and make things easier. So I think that's been difficult. Um, to be fair, though, I think over the last couple of weeks, I've seen some things that I've really liked that have made me feel a little bit better. It's not like the team is 4-4 four and four in the last, like, two and a half, three weeks, which yeah. is that on its own. good, But it's less about the wins and the losses. It's more – at least I felt over that stretch, they've started to really lean more into, you know, the Shane Green, Jalen Green two-man game, which to me, that is, uh, like, that's the one thing that I think that they've found. And part of what's been frustrating is, like, it feels like they found that at stretches, you know, at points last year, they found it earlier this season. But now is, like, the first time where, at least for me, it's really felt like, they're like, okay, we're going to use this as something that we can, like, bake into our offense and really be productive with. Um, so I think that's been good. Um Jabari just playing better has been huge. And I think part yeah. of him playing has been like, I feel like he's been utilized a little bit better, but also it's just been, he's found way more ways to be assertive. Like the first, you know, two months of the season, he really looked kind of lost at times and figuring out how to assert himself without the ball in his hands. And I think now like he's a lot better. Okay. I have, I have a small on me. I'm going to try and get a deep seal in the post or I'm going to be better at just screening. I'm going to run the floor harder. Not that he wasn't before, but I think you can yeah. tell like the game. <sighs> the first two months um so i think that improving has been really good for him there are obviously still things that i want to see you know continue to improve i one of the things that i always like kind of shake my head at is like how do they reintegrate jay sean tate whenever that happens yeah. um, because that should be pretty soon based on whatever the last report was um there are just so many guys in this rotation and like it, it the hard part is like it's not like any of them shouldn't be other than maybe Dacia Nix, but that's another discussion. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's it's just, it feels like there are, like, six different iterations of this team sometimes. And I think that's, like, my biggest uh, frustration. But there there have been good things that have, have gone on this year for sure. Yeah, and one of the iterations that you brought up was uh, about Shangoon, uh, sort of like a Jalen Green, Shangoon, how they have such great chemistry together. But I want to kind of get your opinion on Shangoon because he's kind of a, 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 a uh, he's kind of a fish out of water, I would say, when it comes to the NBA. He's a big man that has really great post moves, doesn't really necessarily shoot the three well. Um, kind of operates around the basket majority of the time, but it's, it's not super athletic. So what do you kind of think the future for Shangoon is, not just with the Rockets, just in the NBA in general? And do you think you can win with a player like him once the Rockets actually start trying to – well, I mean, they're trying to win now, but once they're really competitive in the next couple of years? Yeah, I think that's something I'm interested to find out and see because part of what's been interesting this year – and this is not meant as like a shot at Shingun, but like I think he and KPJ's fit is really rough right now for me. Um, I think that there are moments of it being okay, but for the most part, like we've seen Bruno Fernando and KPJ is what really works. Like without a lob threat, I think KPJ really struggles to make some yeah. passing reads that he can get out of pick and roll. Um, and like Brandon, like Shingun is a lot better at rolling slow, opening himself up in the pocket, which is that works really well with what Jalen does because he's so good at putting pressure on the rim when he drives. Um, 
but yeah, with, with KPG that hasn't worked. So I think it kind of, it, I mean, it, inherently it's almost like looking at, okay, when are they going, are, are, what do they view as being like the core group moving forward? Not to like put a ton of pressure, but I think like, I, I, I know the, the KPJ discourse can be a lot. Sometimes I think that he's a lot better than he tends to get credit for um, from his biggest detractors, but also probably not quite as good as some of his best supporters think. Um, so it's a weird spot, but um, I do think like you're mentioning, like if they really envision Shangun as part of the, the, um, the long-term vision of the team, then I think that they need to be a little bit more cognizant of how they build that in because um, he's not really a player you can just plug and play. Like, he very much has to have the ball in his hands and not to be, like, ball dominant. I think that he's still working on, like, some of the – like, he can make quick reads and decisions, but I think for the most part he's a lot better scanning and taking time to, to make things happen. Um, but I do think, like, if – like he needs time to make his shot develop because I think for me, like like he has like real fluidity and ability to put the ball on the on the ground and drive, but until he can really shoot, you know, it's not gonna we're not gonna see that play out. And I think if you're seeing the better version of this team, you're getting some of that. But again, that's like that's a far way out. And I think you can make things work defensively too. Like he's not perfect defensively, but with the wings that they're putting together on the roster, I think that you can make that work too. Um, like I, I like him a lot in terms of what he can be, but again, I think it's more just. You, they, I think that they need to be a lot more um, cemented in their approach for for how they want to work around him if they do view him as as being that guy. Yeah, true. Because they kind of they kind of go back and forth. We start the season. They were saying that, well, Shangun is going to get starter minutes, and then once the season came around, they kind of switched it over and said, well, Bruno Fernando is going to be the starter, and then Bruno Fernando got hurt, so they kind of you know, let them off the hook a little bit because then Shangun kind of got the start of minutes. And even with Bruno back, Shangun is still starting. But it kind of seems like you said, they're, they're kind of all over the place. They don't know exactly what they want to do with Shangun. It's almost like they were shocked how good he was so early. So they kind of forced their hands. So now they kind of yeah. backtrack and trying to figure out exactly what they want to do with Shangun. And I have to put you on the spot, but I want to ask you, do you ultimately think that Shangun and even Kevin Porter Jr., may be better off as six men or in KP, KPJ's um, in KP, uh, KPJ's case, maybe even switching positions once the team, um, like I said, starts to win next year when they start bringing in more veterans and they're actually competing for a play-in spot? Man, that's a good question. That's something I've thought about a lot. I think uh, especially, well, I, I think the, it kind of goes hand in hand because I think yeah. I just don't view KPJ and and Shangun is working together really in the long term. Um, like I know KPJ is still young, but just based on what his decision making is right now and how he sees the court, I just think it's gonna be really for them to work together. Maybe, and I, I could end up being wrong on that, but um, I don't know if that's even necessarily like pigeonholing him into being a six man. I just like I think that very clearly they need more of a game managing guard. Like it doesn't even have, um, like a guy who's like a quote unquote true point guard, because I think part of what's exciting about having a guy like Shangun is that you don't necessarily need a true point guard. Like you obviously like having somebody who can, you know, put a bend in the defense and, and make the right reads is important. But I think like when you have a big who can make decisions and, and be a hub, you make it a little bit more simple. Like you can, you can just open up the court in different ways so that you don't necessarily like a true point guard. Um, like one of the things that, I kind of wanted to see the Rockets do this year. And I don't think they're going to was maybe like, it's not even making it all a move. It's more just, okay, what if we were willing to part with a couple guys who were starting to realize maybe aren't going to be here in the long term, And we bring in a point guard who can just help ease up the offense a little bit. Like, and it's not even about winning or anything. It's more just, okay, what if we brought in like Mike Conley to play 25 minutes a game, help, create a little bit more offensive flow and, and rhythm. And that helps Jalen and, and Jabari and, and the guys who we do envision being here long-term. So I think like if, if they can make KPJ work as a six man, then I guess I'll be interested in that. But I think it's just going to be more, you know, what, what is the trade-off? Who are they, how are they making that work? Because again, like, I think I just think about what this coming draft is. Yeah. Bring in more young guys. I just don't know how they stack more and more young players on this team because they're already like there are too many young players on this team. Like one of the things yeah. that, um, like in fairness, Jacob had a really terrible summer league, um, but also 
they made him play out of position. He's never been yeah. a guard before. So I think he got a little bit too much flack for what his summer league was. And I've hated what they did to his role. Like, I think legitimately last year he looked like a guy who would be a long-term rotation player in the NBA. If the shot really came around, maybe you could be like a starting two. Um, and now he's just – I mean, he's playing in the G League now, and congrats to him on playing well in his first game. But um, I think, like, that's the kind of thing that happens when – you bring in so many young guys and you just kind of phase out somebody's role, even when I don't know if that should have happened, but um, that's a minor gripe, but point being like, I think it's just, they are kind of hitting that point of where I really want to see them start to make some of the decisions to um, make the roster make a little bit more sense. Yeah. And actually I was about to ask you about Jalen, but before I get to Jalen, you kind of brought up something else I wanted to talk about. And it's the, Benefits of sending a player, especially in his second year, down to the G League um, instead of just having them stay with the team and possibly only getting seven to ten minutes a game for whatever reason. I mean, maybe something they're seeing that, for instance, I'm not personally seeing in practice or something. They may not feel like he's picking up fast enough or like Coach Tyler said yesterday to get his confidence back. But do you think there's more of a benefit for a player like like Josh Chris, who's obviously – is is too good to be in the G League. I mean, he yeah. had the 35 points game one last night. He hit a game winner, um, had like 20 points in the second half. So do you think it's more of a benefit just to keep that player and find a, a specific role for him on the NBA team or let him play 30 minutes a game, maybe four or five games, and then bring him back up to the uh, to the NBA? Well, I think just given what it is right now, it's probably better for him to just get reps in the G League yeah. because he has- playing you know like I think uh I always view it more as getting any time is good like just yeah. getting any kind of reps on the court is good but I think what's just difficult is at least to me and and maybe they felt that diff- well clearly they felt differently but like last year I thought it was pretty clear that Jacob was like ready to play in the NBA especially yeah. by the end of the season after he got like he had that really nice like two-week stretch um and he was still like his again his shot needed to be there I think he, he only shot like 30 percent the last month or so of the season um and it needs to be better for him to, to hit it like to, to be a a more stable nba player but again i think i still felt like he showed enough last year um yeah, um, yeah I, I do think again like getting any kind of reps is is good considering that he's just been sitting on the bench mostly yeah true and i mean the vipers actually have a week off almost before the next game. So I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's right back with the Rockets. And then yeah. hopefully they kind of figure out what they want to do going forward. Um, but I wanted to ask you about Jalen Green, because, of course, you also do some scouting as well. Um, and coming out of co- or coming out of the G League, uh, G League at night, most of the talk was about Jalen Green and how good he was as far as scoring, getting to the basket, um, getting his own shot. But it kind of seemed like he's taking that next step this year to where he's coming more of a playmaker as well. Is that something you saw when you were kind of scouting him coming out of uh, G league and nights that maybe eventually he can get to the point where he can be, he doesn't necessarily have to be a primary ball handler, but be somebody that can actually, you know, relieve some of the pressure off of the point guard in this case, KPJ, as far as a facilitator. Yeah. See, that's why I really like Jalen with Shangun because Shangun makes uh, Jalen's life just so much easier. Yeah. Of creating and I think one of the things that I get most frustrated about like doing things nationally is I think that there are a lot of tropes about who Jalen is as a player like oh I just chucker he can't pass this and that and I just agree with that like I think um like no he's not a a preternatural playmaker who's just going to blow you away with skip passes and stuff but I think like you like you're just mentioning like you can really see him when he plays with Shane like the court just opens up for him and I think he sees things a lot it's a lot more clear for him he's really good with some of the interior reads um, and I think, again, like it's going to take time for him to keep developing that stuff out. But I think I tended to view him more as like, like you mentioned, I don't think he's ever going to be a quote unquote primary playmaker, but I think he can be a primary scorer who does really good things as a playmaker. And if you put him together with other guys who can really, um, create, like, I think of course, like he has to, there are things that need to get better for him, like just getting stronger and being better inside the arc, which I'm hoping that's something that we start to see as the year goes on. Um, and obviously the shot, you know, evening out more. I think part of that is more due to the Rockets' overall spacing than him being a bad shooter. Um, but I think, like, I've, like I like I want to say, like, my I, I don't, like, love doing comps, but I think it was more like I view him as, like, a Bradley Beal type guy. Like, somebody yeah. not saying that, you know, he's going to 
obviously not the same career, but in terms of like a guy who can be the leading scorer on your team while carrying usage and becoming a pretty good playmaker as, as he really gets more reps and time to develop out. And um, especially, you know, creating out of pick and roll is going to be really big for him. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, he may not necessarily ever be a primary playmaker. And honestly, I don't think you really want him to be a primary playmaker because you want him to be able to focus on other things other than being a James Harden type that has to do every single thing on the court. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the you know kind of progression he's making right now is perfect for him. He's actually kind of ahead of schedule when it comes to being a facilitator. Uh, a couple other players I want to ask you about because we were you know just talking about G League at night and then the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, was we talked a little bit about Jabari Smith earlier, and you were saying that you think he's gotten better because um, the Rockets are putting him in a better situation. So, what do you think they're doing now that they weren't doing earlier? Is it more just about getting him in, in better spots, getting him the ball um, to where he's not just a standstill in the corner PJ Tucker type three point shooter? Yeah, exactly. I think that was my biggest uh, frustration earlier, and I know a lot of fans and people in general like well, he's taking all these open shots. I'm like, yeah, he's taking all these open shots. But, and like, to be fair, like you need to hit your open shots. But yeah. if you were last year, like how many of his shots were actually open? Like, I mean, yeah. so, so much of what made him interesting last year was the contested shot making and the things you could do with a one or two dribble pull up or, you know, what he was doing just creating in general. And I think um, he was definitely in a weird spot coming in and, being asked to be more of a standstill guy. Like he was pretty often starting off in the corner and that was kind of it. Like it was, all right, you're in the corner, maybe lift and find ways to cut in. And it felt like he was either like, there was a couple game stretch where he was just driving way too much. And and like, instead of taking an open shot, he would just drive the basketball. Um, And then there was a, a point where it felt like, okay, he's just taking every open shot. And now it feels like he's starting to find a blend because he's a getting put in better positions. Like I think they've been better just being like, okay, hey, we're going to use you as a screener, and if you get um, if you get like a, a switch onto a small, okay, just take him into the post, and we'll get post touch. And I think he's been better for that because he's uh, one of the things that I think he's improved on a little bit since last year. Not that his floor vision is amazing still, but I think he's at least to me in the last few weeks he's looked better at um, at just being really quick coming out of a post move, going up with the ball. Um, and I think that's been part of his finishing being better inside the arc. Um, but again, I think it's more just a, like they're asking him to do more off movement, just asking him to be more in general. And I think that's been really good for him because he's somebody who I think needs to do a lot to to, to, to get his rhythm and feel involved. Um, so that's been good to see from him. Uh, and even like, again, like I think he's also, there were times in transition this year where it felt like he kind of forced things, like he would get the ball rip and run and it felt like he was just trying to do a little too much and now it feels like again he's starting to find the line of like okay i'll pass the ball here or this is a good shot for me to take it's not a good shot for me to take i think he's like he's still figuring that out like he's what i mean he's still the second youngest player in the league right around there i know i mean yeah the youngest but yeah he's he's 19 so it's like it's gonna take time for sure but again like his last 10 games have been have been really good so and even defensively too i think he showed good stuff defensively most of the year but yeah. Now, he still has some issues with physicality, and that's going to be a thing for a while. Like, he's 6'10", like 2'10", so, of course, it's going to take some time for him <laughs> yeah. to develop that out. But I have been really impressed with some of the things he does. Um, I think, like, obviously the perimeter stuff has really hit for me, particularly when he's able to switch out and be on, um, you know, just kind of hound anybody. But uh, as much as I didn't like how they used him defensively earlier in the year, like, there were times where they would play in and drop. Um, yeah. I didn't. I still don't love, and maybe that's part of what's helped him develop out. But I think he's shown more as a weak side rim protector um, early in, in, in his pro career than I thought I would see when just from watching him at Auburn because there were times where he'd really struggled to to be a, a weak side guy. Like, he could make low man rotations, but he wasn't awesome with verticality and contests. And I think he's done a lot better with that than I expected um, early, which has been nice to see. But overall, like, again, it's – I think people got way too caught up in what the first 15 games were. I thought he was a lot less of a quote-unquote plug-in play guy than he got made out to be. Like, he was very much somebody who I thought needed to be worked into an offense. Like, you needed to – you can't just be like, okay, playoff ball. Like, no, you got to give him touches. Like, that's yeah. that's how he that's how he thrives. And I think they're starting to find that balance a lot better. Yeah, and I'm glad you <clears throat> kind of brought that up because we kind of, as Rockets – 
people that cover the Rockets. We kind of fell in love with that plug and play mentality. Like, oh, well, you know, we lost out on uh, Paolo Bancaro, but great. Now we have Jabari. We can just, he's the, the, the player that can fit with any team. And that just doesn't work, especially with really young guys that are used to a certain system. So, I mean, that's a great point saying that, mm-hmm. yes, he can fit where most players have trouble fitting on particular teams, like his kind of skill set can work with any team, but at the end of the day, he definitely needs to be able to have some type of structure and something the Rockets didn't really have at the beginning of the year. I think at, at the end of the day, they were trying to figure out themselves. I think people forget Coach Silas is still a young coach as well. I mean, he's been yeah. in the NBA a long time, but I mean, as far as the head coach and one calling all the plays, he's still a young coach. And I mean, the time the, the job he was at before, I mean, he did a great job with Luca, don't get me wrong, but that's Luca. I mean, it, it's kind of yeah. hard not to be able to find great plays for a player like Luca Doncic. So I think that people kind of forget sometimes that Coach Oz is still learning himself, especially with all these young players trying to find the best places to put them in. Um, one of the young guys I actually want to ask you about is Tari Eason. Um, it was a lot of talk coming out of college where maybe he doesn't have the basketball knowledge or the basketball feel or however they want to put it to where his stock kind of dropped. And it just seemed like he's been – at the very least, one of the top 10 rookies. Sometimes some of his plays have been top five as far as uh, rookies are concerned. That's in limited minutes. So what did you hear about Tari coming out of college, and, and what have you seen from him so far this year? Yeah, I, I've loved Tari. I, Tari was an upper lottery guy for me like pretty easily in the draft. I think I understood some of the concerns is the wrong way to put it. Like I Just based on what I had heard from asking around, I'd never heard a bad thing about Tari. Um, yeah. I not like the the biggest knock was that, that repeatedly gets brought up as like oh he can't remember plays and like yeah I did I did not feel that that needed to be taken as as much as people took it um and you know scout, other scouts can say whatever they want but to me like in terms of watching him play and anything that I'd heard I, I thought that that was a little bit egregious um and I think it's pretty clear in watching him like okay even if they're like, I do think that it's more about, like, his shot selection hasn't been bad for me in, in this. I think sometimes his shot selection can just look bad because yeah. his touch can be very all over the place. Like, I remember there was a a, a game last year when they when LSU was playing Texas A&M, and he took a floater from um, just outside of the free throw line and went over the backboard. Like, and that's just, like, that's, that's hard a little bit. And I think, you know, having to work through that was important. But also, I think people need to remember, like, LSU was – that was a situation last year. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I just struggled to hold him for, for a lot of that. Um, but what he's shown this year, like the defensive stuff, I think it's translated immediately. I thought he was going to be a really damn player in the NBA. The activity is so good. The foot, like his feet are incredibly good for somebody his size. He's physical. Um, the rebounding is, is awesome. Like I love that they've just empowered him to attack the offensive glass okay. because he's great at like, um, what I mean, one of my bigger concerns about him coming out was like, okay, what if a, what if a team is just like we don't want him to lean into the things that make him who he is? Then I'd be like, okay, well then I don't think it makes sense for you to draft him. But if the Rockets are really just willing to be like, okay, well we're going to let you be creating havoc on defense, we're going to let you attack the glass, we're going to let you rip and run. Those are the things that make Tari exciting, and I think those are the things that I want to see continue to to build out and grow. And I think even eventually, like. I very much think that he's going to be a starter in the NBA. Um, the way that the shot has fallen too has been really big. And I think part of what's exciting again about if you can have him and Jabari as a starting front court, those are two guys that I would want alongside Shangun easily. Like yeah. both guys, uh, I think Jabari's a much better cutter. Like he, he sees the court a little bit better than Jabari does right now. Granted, he's older. Um, but I think like that's a guy who could play off of Shangun well. Um, obviously the shot needs to continue improving. Cause like, even though he's shooting like 36% right now, or I mean, 38% actually, it's still, um, I do, I, one of my bigger holdups with him and not even like a holdup, but it was just, you know, what, how much can this improve? He, he, like, he has to line up the ball on his shoulder to shoot it. Like he always shoot loads up on his right hand. Um, and that's just a really hard shot to replicate if you're doing it off movement. So I do question like, if that's ever going to become a really high volume shot for him. Um, but regardless, like that he's already acclimating this well has been really good. And like finishing at, like, figuring out decelerating on finishes, like that's been a thing for him for 
for a minute. Yeah. But <laughs> because outside, if you remove the dunks and transition stuff, like his finishing numbers are pretty rough. But he still he puts so much force on the rim getting there, and you're not asking him to create from a standstill, so it's less of a worry. Um, point being, like like you mentioned, like I think he would make an all rookie team for me right now, and I just wish that he could play more minutes, like. That's part of why I'm interested to see what does or doesn't happen with Eric Gordon. And I'm not trying to just force him out, but part of me is like, dude, I would love to see Tari start already just to see what it looks like. And maybe KJ would get in over him. Um, and I, I mean, I'd love KJ too. So I can't, can't, can't go wrong there, but um, regardless, he's been, he's been really pleasant and I think he's fit in really well. Yeah. And that kind of what it comes down to is what they're going to do with Eric Gordon, because right now he's still playing 25, 30 minutes a game. And that that's going to become a real issue. As you mentioned earlier, once Jay Sean Tate comes back, because the Rockets love Jay Sean Tate. Um, I know yeah. some people have mentioned about possibly trading him, but I don't think the Rockets are even thinking about that because the front office loves him. Coach Silas talks about him all the time, even though he hasn't he's barely even played a game this year. So they're going to mm-hmm. play Jay Sean Tate. So they have to figure out something pretty fast because. Like you said, I think it's another um, instance where Tari Eason is a lot better than they thought he was going to be this fast. I mean, I, they probably thought eventually he'd get to this point, but he's already one of the best rookies in the whole class. So now they can, their hand is being forced, and the same thing is going to happen again. The same thing happened with Shangun last year. They're going to have to figure out how they can get him into the rotation more. Um, one more thing I want to talk about, especially with the draft um, coming up, is of course everybody's been talking about Wimbyama. Of course, everybody's been talking about Scoot Henderson. Of course, but what are some of the players outside of that? Just in case the Rockets are, you know, for the first time in two years, not the worst team in the league, and they pick maybe fourth or fifth this time. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I was talking about this with a friend uh, the other day, actually yesterday, because they they asked me the same question, and I think I was trying to, you know, trying to parse that out. I I think to me when I look at this team, um, I do think like getting another guard. Could be really big for them and yeah. again i think a lot depends on what happens with kevin um because again like he's only 22 i don't want to like push him out the door and be like oh he can't be here like things happen developmentally that that we never really know how yeah. to make them i think as much as i watch and put effort and time into things i there are things that i just can't i can't like foresee you know so um i do think like keontae george is a guy that i find would be really exciting in houston um, he's had a little, like his, uh, his efficiency has been a little bit up and down for Baylor, but I think his playmaking defense have still been really impressive. And I've enjoyed that from him. He's somebody who I think could fit really well next to Jalen as another guy who can, you know, kind of create on his own, be really good as a pick and roll operator. Um, and he's a really good athlete too. Like he's got good burst. He's incredibly strong. Um, like he's like six four two thirty. He's kind of built like, uh, a weak side linebacker, which is very fun. <laughs> Um, so he'd be fun. I think case and Wallace, I don't know if I would take him quite as high as where I think the Rockets are going to be, but if you're talking again about just continuing to build a defensive powerhouse, like he's, I do have offensive questions. Like I think that the shot is, is good. And I think it's going to need to continue to improve, like quickening his release, being able to do it more off movement, but, um, he has real driving ability. His handles decent. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's decent for two guard, not awesome for a point. Um, so he's in a, a little bit of an odd mix, but um, he's probably the best perimeter defender in the draft. And again, when you're talking about building out what this team could be, I think that's exciting. Um, just what his upside is in general. Um, obviously, I mean, the Thompson twins are really good, I, but even if we're off them, I think like Cam Whitmore is somebody I would really enjoy in Houston. Um, that just adds another wing who can like, has a good feel for the game. He's a really good defender. Uh Again, incredibly strong. Like he can play kind of two through four, do a little bit of everything. The shot is good from him. Like he's somebody that I think again would be like if you have Cam Whitmore, Taris, and Jabari. Like that's you're talking about one of the better, or maybe not even better because it's still a really young group that's figuring things out. But that's one of the more you know wing rooms in basketball. So um, those are three guys just kind of off off rip that I would I would be contemplating or looking at and. One last guy that I would mention because I'm getting you know in my bag here. Like I think Anthony Black is somebody who I really really like and is very exciting. He's done a lot of things that I, I mean I think he's really popped at Arkansas early. He shot better and just more than I thought he was going to. Um, I don't think that he's a 40% three point shooter long term. I think like yeah. the idea is to be like 
average shooter on volume. But the willingness has been really good to see. Um, I Just because I've had some people bring up like him going to Houston, I want to mention it because I do think that you're starting to think – like that's where it starts getting a little bit weird in terms of talking about fit with him and yeah. him and Shangun because I think, again, like Shangun is – it's not that he has to dominate the ball, but it's like talking about with like Domas Sabonis or, or Bam Adebayo. Like you have to yeah. run stuff with them, and I think same thing with Ant. Like – if you're not letting Ant really run the show and transition and start some sets in the half court, then I think that you're kind of wasting his talent. And I think so it, there would be interesting overlap with him and Shangun. But again, like it's still early enough where I think you can be willing to take risks like that and just kind of figure it out as it goes on. But um, it, it's a really exciting draft class, and especially for Houston as they kind of round things out, because I, I think the biggest thing for me to continue preaching and remembering not that I think you need to hear it, but just in general, like I think um, as much as the Rockets have been frustrating this year at times, there are like, this is a roster to be excited about. Like I do feel good about what their direction can be. I think that they still need to figure a lot of things out. Um, But the talent base is really good. So I think just um, the next couple months is going to be really big for them, but I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. 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 That's a good point because, at the end of the day, I know people get attached to certain players, but you've been covering the NBA for a while. You know that some of the players that are here now, a lot of the players that are with rebuilding teams, are not necessarily players going to be there in two or three years when they're starting to like actually compete for playing spots and home court advantage and things like that. So the team that you see now may not necessarily be the team that you're watching two or three years from now. So like you said, they have to figure out the core and then kind of go from there. Something I always ask pretty much every draft season is, do you think that this draft is one of the deeper drafts in a long time? Because we always hear that phrase come out, but then it's really people just talking about the top four or five picks. But is this a type of draft that can go beyond the first, maybe even 10 picks to where you can find really good players um, that are maybe going, that may fail a little bit further than they thought they were going to fall? Yeah, I think at least what my current feel on it is right now, like I think the the top 30 is really strong, like top 25 is really strong yeah. for me. There are some guys that I think are still figuring things out, like some of the dudes who I thought were going to round out the upper lottery have, saying that they haven't impressed would be the wrong way to put it, but have struggled a little bit more. Like I think Jarris Walker from Houston, who's a guy I really like and believe in, yeah. He has struggled a little bit to acclimate to the college level, and he's still been productive, but not to the level that I was hoping for him. Um, like Kalel Ware, similarly at Oregon, I think has struggled a little bit in terms of in terms of being a prospect. Like I think he's been a good yeah. college, but um, you know, in terms of actually like hitting at a higher level, I think that's been interesting to see. Um, but at the same time, I think it also just makes it like there. What what makes this feel like a deeper draft like I don't I don't know if I can say for sure that it is but what makes it feel like a deeper draft is there are just a ton of wings who are they're not going to be primaries but there are guys who you can envision being like dribble past shoot guys um and it feels like there's like 12 15 of them that could feasibly go in the top 30 which is what makes it you know exciting because those are the kind of guys who a are going to get the most runway in terms of their development that's just typically how it's worked the last couple years and um, there's always one of those guys who just like randomly pops that I think people weren't expecting to early in their career. So um, I do think like it's still TBD a little bit, but I think that there are, there's a lot of reason for excitement in this class, even outside of the top 10. Yeah. So you hear that Rockets fans, even if the Rockets lose the next 50 in a row, there's still <laughs> cause for optimism uh, going into next year. Um before we wrap the show, I want to actually talk a little about you know about the rest of the NBA because mm-hmm. because of course um, there's been a lot of great storylines, teams that we thought were going to do well aren't doing well, and teams that we thought were going to be at the bottom of the league are actually doing a lot better. And one of those teams I know you know pretty well, the Indiana Pacers, um, even though they come off a tough loss yesterday against Brooklyn. Um, what have you seen from – because Indiana's kind of at the point where the Rockets want to be next year, not necessarily at the top of the league, but definitely want to be – hover around that 500 mark a little bit over exactly where mm-hmm. Indiana is. So we haven't talked since the uh, Halliburton trade. I kind of want to start with that, start there. Were you as shocked as the rest of the uh, NBA and people that follow the NBA about that trade when it happened? 
Yeah, it was really funny because I had released a piece that morning at the SB Nation main site, like saying that basically the entire gist of it was like, even though the Kings have been a little bit up and down, I don't think that they should split up Fox and Halliburton. And they did like an hour. Yeah. After it was, yeah. So it was hilarious. Uh, yeah, no, I was incredibly shocked. Um, like I thought that the Pacers would make a move, but I never thought that that was a move that was even close to being on the table. Um, and I think, I mean, I, I think it was the right move for both teams in a way. Um, like the way that uh, Sacramento continued to build out, I think clearly like that has been a move that has worked out for them. Um, I know everybody looks at what Hallie's doing right now. is like, oh, well, you know, they could just have that guy. Why would they make that trade? And it's just not that simple. You know, like I think if you, it's just important to remember like, okay, is Hallie becoming that guy in this system alongside Fox? Is Fox becoming that guy still playing alongside Hallie? Like it, you know, it, all we can do is talk about what happened right now. And so for me, um, I mean, that's worked incredibly well for for Indiana because I had questions of like, are they really going to lean into everything he does? Or they, they weren't a team that really played with pace uh, under Rick to begin the year. Rick had never been a big pace coach. It had never, at least, in, you know, in, in, in my lifetime, it had never felt like he's been a coach who really leaned into pace. And they have. They've, they've really leaned into playing fast. They've let him just kind of run free a little bit. They are calling less sets. They're just being a little bit more um, playing to, to what he can do. And it's been very exciting to watch. I still don't like, are they really a 500 team? I don't <laughs> yeah. think so. Um, especially like last night, they lost to a Brooklyn team missing like their top six. Um, so I think they're falling back down to earth a little bit. But in terms of like they're competitive, they like you can see the real things of, of development. Um, so that's been really nice to see. And I think they still... Honestly, like they need to fall down a little bit because they're just what their talent is. They're a ways yeah. off from being better or on pace to be as good of as any of the top East teams, in my opinion. Um, but they've had a lot of really encouraging signs, and the the first month of, of play from the, from them was really fun to follow. Yeah, and a couple of other players I want to talk about uh, Indiana before we move on um, kind of ties into. Uh, the rest of the NBA, specifically the Lakers, one of the teams that's been disappointing so far this year. Yeah. Um, so do you still see a circumstance where a Buddy and Miles Turner are on the move eventually uh, before the trade deadline? I know we have December 15th coming up where a lot more players are going to be available around the league, and maybe that kind of starts pushing some trades forward. So do you still see the Pacers kind of making a move going forward? Uh, I think that they need to. Um, I don't know if they're going to. I don't know what they're, how they view themselves or if the quick start changed things for them. I hope it didn't. Um, but I, you just never know with what their, uh, what their ownership can be like. Um, I know like it's been, it hasn't been reported, but it has been said multiple times by other people in national media that they wouldn't be surprised if Miles resigned with the Pacers. Um, I don't think that that's great for either party personally. Like as much as I like Miles, I do think it is time for this team to like I don't I think it would be a mistake to lean into being a 34 or 35 win team this year. Um I think that personally for this team, I do think with again where they're at, um they need to really prioritize getting the most out of their own draft pick this year or getting the opportunity to get the most out of their own draft pick. Um, so I think moving out from Miles and Buddy would be – I mean, those, those are the, that's their second and third best player right now. Okay. So I think that that kind of needs to happen. And Miles has been really good. Like, this is a career year for him. I think that um, some of the things he's doing are, are just flat out better. He's been better optimized. Um, and I do think he would really help the team. Especially, like, I mean, for the Lakers, it's – you know, a lot of people will be like, well, AD's been playing at the five a bunch. Why would we want to trade for Miles? I, I mean – you're leaning into being arguably the best defense in the league. If you have Anthony Davis and miles Turner, Yeah, maybe they don't end up being quite that good, but I think that if things really popped, they could be, um, there would be some inherent flaws for sure. Like miles is, uh, like he doesn't really ever get guarded like a shooter. I think that they need to be really concerned about getting him and AD involved as role men and staggering them. Uh, but I think that would really help and just get it. Like, I mean, buddy too, I love Buddy. Like, I'm, it's easy to scoff at what his numbers can be sometimes because he will have games where he goes like three of eleven from, from yeah. deep. Um, but that's part of what makes him who he is. Like, he's the most unconscious shooter in the NBA, not named <laughs> Steph. 
because yeah. he's to take every shot. And I think sometimes he has to rein it in, but honestly, he's been pretty good at that this year. I don't think that he's had that many games where I felt where he does way too much and he brings a little bit of secondary playmaking juice. Um, I mean, that would be like, that's the kind of guy who would unlock a lot of things for the Lakers offense. Um, but I, I mean, I think the bigger thing is just can LeBron James get back to a higher level because he hasn't, I mean, he's been close to himself this year. I think that's actually been for me as much as their rotation kind of stinks outside of AD yeah. LeBron. And like, obviously Russ has gotten a lot better. I think Lonnie Walker has been really pleasant this year. I've loved watching him play. He's fit in really well, especially with what they want to do in transition. But outside of those guys, like they're a very odd mix and match group that doesn't make a lot of sense. There are guys playing up way too high. Like Kendrick Dunn does not look like an NBA player anymore. Yeah. And he's playing Patrick Beverly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like Pat Bev is not look good. Like this is, I, I think just having players who can play basketball and be starting level players would make, a, make them look a lot better. Um, I can't I mean, I can't tell Lakers fans what is best for their, for them or how they would feel about their team. But if I were the Lakers, I mean, I, I think that trading LeBron or AD would be kind of ridiculous. Um, yeah. Just what that looks like optically. And again, people can disagree with that, but I would, uh, I would be pretty in on trading for miles and buddy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially LeBron is, you know, even though it's kind of hard to believe he is human. So yeah. he is getting older and those injuries are starting to pile up uh, sort of like with James Harden in Philadelphia. I mean, James Harden was one of the uh, best as far as not missing any games when he was playing with the Rockets. And we saw mm-hmm. eventually injuries are going to catch up to everybody. I don't care who it is, even LeBron James, and they have to maximize his prime or whatever prime he has left um, in the next couple years. Um Another thing I want to kind of go over is what have been some surprises just overall in the NBA? Of course, we talked a little bit about the Lakers, how they've underperformed this year. We've had other teams like the Warriors who are still hovering around 500, even though I think with them, they're fine with, you know, being not necessarily the number one seed. I think they feel they can win it on any court. Um, but we've had Boston, who's um, is has the best record right now. Milwaukee is still up there. Philadelphia struggled a little bit with injuries, so they've kind of been treading water. But what's been some of the surprises you've seen so far uh, in the NBA, whether it's the top of the standings or the bottom? Uh, yeah, good question. Um, surprises. I think – hmm. I like this question. I think the – well, I, see, the Pelicans haven't been surprised for me. I said before that yeah. at the end of the year, I was like, I think this could be a 51 team, and they're on track to do that. Um, I think I would say Portland, although I am a little bit weary. Um, I'm trying – I think Portland won last night, actually. Yeah, they, they yeah. won last night. Um, but their defense has really fallen off since the first month of the season, so I'm hoping they can get back to that. But, I mean, I thought Portland was going to be maybe a 41 team, um, and I thought there was maybe room for more. But they've, they've looked – like, they've been really good. They've been competent. They've been very um, competitive. So I think yeah. they, they look like a team that could be, like, just a straight-up playoff team and not a play-in team. So that's been fun. Um, like obviously Utah was, I feel like like they they've they've hit, hit quite a wall recently, yeah. especially like Conley out. But like watching that early season run was really fun from them. Um, I don't really. Th- what about I Minnesota? Mean, like, what have you seen from like Minnesota? Because I I thought some people were kind of on the fence with them with the Gobert trade, and it kind of seemed like I mean I know Towns has been out uh, with yeah. the injury even before Towns. Kind of seemed like they just wasn't exactly sure what type of team they wanted to be. Yeah, it still feels that way, which is what's frustrating. I, uh, yeah, I, I want to get a better read on them. Like, I feel, because yeah. I, I didn't want to go too hard on them at the beginning of the year because they, I mean, it really took them about 20, 30 games to figure themselves out last year, too. Yeah. Um, like, what, I mean, what did they start? Like, 7 and 13, something like that to start the year. Um, and they went through a lot of change. Uh, they're still, going through that obviously i think um it part of what's difficult is ant and gobert just haven't really fit well yet um i think that there have been some better signs recently um but overall it's still been like pretty underwhelming um and i think it's less about rudy and more just about that team as a whole um like i think that some of the surrounding talent hasn't been awesome like delos had a better year but um Again, it's just like the actual fit together doesn't look or feel that awesome. So 
I'm kind of hoping that we can see more and see that improve. Um, like they just feel they have a lot. Like it feels like they have a lot of guys with the same limitations, which makes it difficult for them to all really coexist together. But um, I still I don't want to be out on them yet. But I definitely think in terms of like the being a 50 win team that that's not that does not feel very feasible this year. Um, like I'm a lot less worried about the offense and I mean, a lot less worried about the defense and more worried about the offense. Like I think that the defense has been fine for the most part. Like there, obviously there are the gaffes that don't look great and get thrown up on Twitter. Um, But I think when they're actually locked in, their defense is is solid, but it's the offense where it it can really just devolve into, you know, what the hell is going on here? Um, (laughs) Yes. Because like, I mean, it can just feel like there are three different things happening that do not feel in conjunction at all. So, um, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, especially once Cat gets back. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I would throw them in as a little bit of a surprise because I, I, I thought that they would be better. Like the things that I think I've had more questions about with them are things that I was hoping to not have questions about this year. Yeah. And, and, and it's also a good point because it's just, you know, December, even though it feel like we've already been four or five months in the season, we're still right. just in December and we haven't got to the Christmas Day games yet. So a lot of these teams are still trying to figure it out. Um, but, Mark, I, I definitely appreciate you jumping on. We have to do this uh, a lot sooner next time, definitely before definitely. the end of the year um, when things are starting to play out a lot more and we have a better idea of what's going to happen and what teams need to do going in the future. So I appreciate you jumping on before we uh, jump off this podcast. Won't you let everybody know again where to find all your great content? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at MG underscore Schindler. I put all my stuff up there. Um, yeah, I, I have a ton of stuff coming out. I'd like so. Yeah, again, just check there. I just had an interview with Enrique Ogunwale from the yeah. Dallas today um, that I really enjoyed getting to do. So sure, to check that out. Appreciate you having me on, Char. This is fun, man. Uh, absolutely, and like I said, definitely check out Mark. Some of the best coverage. On, on the NBA, not just the NBA, WNBA, college as well. So definitely make sure you check out all of Mark's work. Um, and we definitely appreciate you coming on. And that's going to do it for today's show. As usual, we appreciate everybody that joins us every week on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, make sure you click that like button or a notification because we definitely come out with more shows, more guests. Um, the Rockets have a game tonight against the Bucks, so we'll see how that plays out. If uh, we may have a show tomorrow, depending on how the game goes. But uh, we definitely appreciate everybody that joins us every week on the Rocket Fuel Podcast presented by Clutch Fans.